Well, good morning, everybody. You, thank you, thank you. You all got the memo that we moved inside, so that's good. Hopefully there's nobody sitting out. And I feel like I'm at a time right now where I need to understand this. And so this has been really enlightening for me. And, and I've been preaching to myself all week about this. We have, you know, I pray, amen. So I'm going to start with this. I'm going to ask you a question and I'm going to ask you to turn and talk to somebody about it. And then I'm going to come back in a minute and I'm going to ask you another question. And then I'm going to come back in a minute and ask you another question. So three questions coming your way. First one, what is the biggest argument or fight you have ever been in? Most of you are sitting next to your spouse. Tread carefully here. So here you go. Turn and talk. Biggest argument or fight you've ever had. If you haven't swapped with the person you're talking to, switch. They can share theirs. If you have, you can move on to the next question. Next question would be, what is the dumbest argument or fight you've ever been in? Maybe they're the same. That might track. Maybe they're the same argument. Are you pointing at me? I have no, I have no dumb arguments ever. And definitely not with you. You're just wrong a lot and I have to call you out. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. <laughs> Last question. Last question here. What is the most recent fight or argument you've been in? Maybe it was on the way in this morning, but I want you to bring that to your memory. Bring that to the forefront. What is the most recent argument you've had Conflict, quarrel, most recent. Big, small, whatever it is. Okay, so you've got some conflict in your mind. You've got some, some fights, arguments. Hopefully that doesn't lead to something else later today, but you've got that in your mind. It seems like we like conflict, doesn't it? How many of you could raise your hand and say, I love conflict. I enjoy fighting. I enjoy arguing. I enjoy being in that state of aggression and nobody? She did. She, she did. Some of us do. When, it, when it's me and Austin, I enjoy that. I enjoy arguing with Austin because he gets really riled up and I can just act like I'm super mad and just, and just keep firing away and he, he just... He just, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, so it's, but, but if we look around, let's look, like, look around, look at society, look at, look at culture today, look at what's going on in the world. It seems like as a people, as humanity, we like conflict because it's everywhere, right? You can't, you can't turn around without seeing somebody fight with somebody else or argue with somebody about somebody else. You can't turn on the TV without seeing it. You can't drive anywhere without seeing it. At least that's me. I'm arguing with people on the road all the time, it seems like. But we look at politics. We look at sports. There's so many sports shows. Like sports, supposed to be fun, right? That's all sports are supposed to be. Fun, enjoyment, entertainment. And all you've got is TV shows talking about who's supposed to be where and who's not doing what they're supposed to do and who wants more money and who, like, conflict all over the place. It's all we see constantly. Do you think we seek it out or does it just come to us? 
Is it our fault individually? Do we go after the conflict? Do we bring the conflict? I mean, you think about a movie. If there's no conflict in a movie, it's not worth watching, right? It's like we've trained ourselves to seek out conflict, to seek out turmoil and things that are wrong so that we have something to fight against or something that's, I don't know, keeping our interest, whatever it is. So today we're going to talk about peace. And so peace, if you look it up in the dictionary, just says the absence of war or conflict. But I want to take it a little bit deeper, a little more like what peace from Scripture would look like. And so we've got two words, one from the Old Testament in Hebrew, one from the New Testament in Greek. We've got shalom. Have you heard that word before? Shalom. Say it with me. Shalom. shalom. It's, that's the Hebrew word for peace. And what it, what it really more translates to is like a sense of wholeness or completeness. It's kind of used like in a way when you're talking about restoration. So like when Nehemiah rebuilt the wall, shalom, he brought shalom to that wall. When you fix something, when you restore something, you're bringing shalom to that. So it can be used as a noun, it can be used as a verb, but shalom, this, this sense of wholeness, of completeness, restoring something. And then you've got irini. There's a, there's a roll, rolled R in there, but I can't do it. That's Greek for peace. Kind of the same situation here. One, quietness, rest. This is the point in the service where if we were outside, I was just going to say, close your eyes, be silent. You could hear the birds chirping, rain falling, whatever it is. That, that sense of just calmness. You're at one with whatever's going on. That's the peace we're talking about today. And I want to talk about how Jesus came to bring that peace. That was his goal. In Isaiah, it says, for unto us a child was born. You've heard this. Unto us a son was given. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Shalom. Prince of Shalom. Prince of wholeness, of completeness, of restoration. And so if we look at Jesus' life, he came as a baby, lived a perfect life, for 33 years here on earth. It's the only one that has ever done that. I'm 32, I've made a lot of mistakes. I can't say I'm anywhere close to that. But he came, he lived this perfect life so that he could be sacrificed, so that he could restore us to the, th the way things were originally created. If we look, at, look back at the garden story, things were perfect in the garden, right? God created things perfect. Adam and Eve were in perfect relationship with God. They could walk with him, talk with him. Jesus came to restore that because it's broken. He came as the Prince of Peace to bring that shalom back to humanity. He says, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John 14 and 15. You can look at that if you want. There's a couple passages we're going to dive into there. He says in John 14... And this is, so we're going, to take, we're going to take communion today. And so this is, the book of John gives kind of a different story of the way this Last Supper went. There's a lot more words from Jesus in the book of John. And so this, is, this happens at that time. When he's, when he's in the room with his disciples, he's talking to them. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
So Jesus is telling them he, he's, he's coming to restore. He's coming to restore that relationship back to the Father for us, for humanity. And that doesn't make much sense. At the time, they don't quite understand that separation because they never had that complete, that wholeness. And then he goes on later to say in verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So he's saying, like, this is like the introduction of the Holy Spirit, right? He's, he's saying, I have to do this so the Holy Spirit can come and bring you this peace, bring that gift of peace that I'm, that I'm leaving for you. And it's not a gift like the gift you would receive from someone in the world. It's, it's a gift that's just there all the time. It's overarching, doesn't matter what's going on. There's, there's that gift there if we choose to accept it. And I think he gives a better example, just, just right into the next chapter, he gives us this, this image of the vine, right? He says, the father is the vine dresser. He's the one that tends the vines. And then he says, abide in me as I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So I think we have a really cool image of God here, the three persons of God. We've got the Father who is the, the one who's tending to the vines, who's kind of cultivating this crop. You've got Jesus who is the vine. And then you've got the Holy Spirit kind of giving the nutrients, feeding the fruit, producing the fruit on the vine. We've got this, this idea that we are the branch that is supposed to produce fruit, right? But we can't do that if we're not attached to the vine. And we can't do that if the vine dresser isn't pruning and taking off the, the hard stuff so that the plant can grow the right fruit. And if we're not tapped into the source of the Holy Spirit. So if we think about fruit, think about producing fruit, have you heard of the fruit of the Spirit? Right? I love this image because we, we see ourselves as these branches, and if we're not tapped into those resources, if we're not tapped into the right source, we can't produce fruit. So when you hear the fruit of the Spirit, it's not something you strive for, particularly. You don't say, love, joy, peace, patience. I don't want those things. I'm going to tap into the Spirit, and the Spirit is going to produce that through me. I can't do that on my own. So we have this image, if, I, if I'm a branch and I decide, mm, this fence looks good, I'll just go over here and detach myself from the vine and not get those nutrients, it's not going to work. We can't do it by ourselves. We have to be tapped in to the Spirit. We have to be receiving those nutrients from God, from Jesus, from the Holy Spirit to produce that fruit. And when we're not, it tells us that it's very clear. So if we're looking at Galatians, where we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, right before he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, he says, now the works of the flesh are evident. And I feel like that's super true, right? We can look around and we can tell when people are being about themselves. We can look around and see when somebody makes a decision that only benefits them and they're not thinking about other people. 
we can see when people are tapped into their own flesh and they're not tapped into Jesus. It's apparent. It's obvious, right? But just in case it wasn't, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let us not become conceited. Because that leads to provoking each other, like I do to Austin, all the time. And envying each other, like he does to me, all the time. <laughs> but that's the root, right? It's this conceit. It's this self-obsession. This, I don't care about anybody else. I'm going to look out for number one. I only care about me. And that drives all the decisions. You're not producing fruit. When you're rooted in that, when you get rid of that, think about the greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. It's one commandment. You can't have one without the other. You can't be fully loving God and not loving people. It's just the way it works. If you're tapped into that spirit, if you're tapped into that vine, receiving those resources, pouring into that relationship, you cannot help but love others. But we're not perfect, right? Even when we are tapped in, sometimes we, we decide this looks good or that looks good. And that's the way it works. We're not perfect. Only one person did it perfectly. And he brought the peace of completeness, of wholeness, of rest, of restoration, because he did it perfectly. I started, I started this saying when Caden was born, and I had this idea for years before, but I always knew that I wanted to plant a tree for each kid that we had. So planted an apple tree when Caden was born. Just planted a peach tree for our new one, even though he's not born yet. But I was, I was out with Caden earlier this summer, and I was trimming off some of the other bush, or other, other like branches and stuff and some of the gross apples that were already starting to grow. And he just said, why are you doing that, Daddy? I said, well, you, sometimes you just have to, you have to chop some stuff off so that it can be healthy, so the tree can be healthy. You have to prune off the bad fruit. You have to prune off the branches that are going the wrong way and, and don't look right and they're too low so that the tree can produce more fruit and healthier fruit, better fruit. And I just love that image. I love that I can speak that image into him now as like a way for him to understand Jesus, as, as a way for him to understand God. And I can't wait for more of those conversations. But that's the thing, right? We have to trim off the bad branches. We have to pluck the bad fruit in our own lives for ourselves. We have to allow the vine dresser to do that. You have things in your life, conflict, whatever, that stem back to 
you being conceited, you being selfish. What are they? What is it that you need to call the vine dresser in and say, Father, take this one. It's going to hurt. It's not going to be fun. It's going to be painful, but I need you to take this so that I can get the right nutrients, so that I can root myself in you firmer. Where is it? Hopefully when you, were, when you were talking about those conflicts you have, some of that sparked up. What are the things you need to let God in and take? Band, you can come on up. Because we're not perfect. We all have it. We all have things that need to be pruned, that need to be taken care of. And so if you don't mind, I would just like to pray that right now in my life. You can follow along, join in, say a prayer the same way, but I just want to pray and ask God to take those from me. So Father, thank you again for your willingness to keep this ugly, gross branch producing terrible fruit and withering attached to you. Thank you for your willingness and your desire to see me produce those fruits. And Father, I I just pray that you prune those things out of me. I cannot do it by myself. I've tried and I've failed. I need you, Lord, to come in and take those away. No matter how much it hurts, no matter how much it flips my life upside down, no matter how much trauma it causes for me, I know the end result is more worth it. And Father, I I just love you for it. In your name I pray, amen. So we're going to take part in communion together, if that's all right with you guys. And so if I can have those who are serving come up on on the side over here. But we do this, we do this, this partaking in communion as a way to remember that sacrifice, to remember Jesus coming, living a perfect life, being that sacrifice for us. So at that last supper, he grabbed the bread and the cup. He broke the bread. He took the cup. He blessed them. He gave them to the disciples and said, take this in remembrance of me. So as you're taking this communion, as you're grabbing the bread, you're dipping it in the cup, the people are going to say, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. And they're going to do this so that you remember the restorative story of Jesus. The shalom, the peace that he brought, that he's still bringing, that he still wants to bring into your life to restore you to the way that you were first created, to the way humanity was first created, so that we have that option. So I'm going to serve the band and then those that are serving, and then I'll, I'll invite you guys to come up.